Welcome back to the Librarians by the Sea podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Margolis. And I'm your co-host, Sarah Jardino. We are back! We were on a bit of a hiatus, but we're returning now. We're hoping to get about two podcasts out a month. Yay! Yay! Yeah. It's good to be back. You know, a bunch of library stuff was happening over the past few months, but we're glad we can make podcasts again. Yeah. We just wanted to focus on being able to pro- provide you guys with the best services and that did not involve me editing a podcast for two hours a week. <laughs> not quite the top of the list for that no, no. unfortunately. <laughs> but we are in a much better spot. We got some new people that we hired, mm-hmm. so that's really great. So come on down to the library and say hi and see some new friendly faces. Uh, but yeah, so let's jump right back into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Get back on the bike. So if you guys remember, our old format was that we would do a we would talk about the books that we were reading and then we would have a discussion and then we would talk about future library events and that is not changing no the format's here to stay (laughs) so uh books that i have been reading lately is i just finished uh the other day i i finished the buy nothing get everything plan by liesel clark and rebecca rockefeller um and i don't know if you know this about me but i like to pretend that i am a type a organized minimalist Mm -hmm. that's the goal goal. no but um i really love reading books about it and um just about like habits and like organization and like buying less and a lot of my buying less stuff comes from trying to be more Mm eco-friendly and i do want to state before i talk about it anymore that being quote-unquote minimalist and like buying not a lot of things is a concept that is sold in this format by privileged people who have the ability to buy more and have a lot of things but choose not to, whereas some people do not have that privilege at all and already live that life out of necessity. So I did want to get that out of the way, Mm -hmm. uh, just to keep in mind as we read and we consume this kind of material, which I do love. (laughs) But Yeah, it's good for the people in our position to keep in mind, like, not to fall into consumerism too much or over consumerism Mm -hmm. just but yeah your point is a good one (laughs) but so um there are things i really liked about the book i really liked how they focused on the the environmental aspect of it and like keeping like your because every time you buy something like it eventually will go to landfill like every time like i just try and keep that in mind with like everything i buy like and so that way when i do declutter i do try and like find it a new home or if it can be recycled in some way but ultimately once you buy something it's it's just gonna go yeah it's it's eventually at some point in its life even if it runs through three different other people it's probably gonna go to landfill someday yes or if you live around here maybe an incinerator (laughs) (laughs) just think about toy story Anyway, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Oh, no. We don't have to get there. I didn't realize it. This is a little bit off tangent. I didn't really realize it until I saw that movie, but Andy and I are the same age. Are you really? Yeah. So mm. the year, the summer Andy was going to college, I was also going to college. Wow. And, like, Andy at all points, whenever that movie came out, was my age. Wow. So you kind of, like, could have grown up with him. I kind of grew up with Andy and Woody, and then, I don't know. The only unrealistic thing about Andy... <laughs> about Toy Story, I feel like, was that there wasn't, like, the one real creepy toy, like a Furby that was hanging around. Which is a little bit off. <laughs> that none of the other toys wanted to talk They were to. all really nice, except for, like, the the surprise reveal. Yeah, any of, twist. In season two. And I guess there were, or season two, <laughs> in movie two. But I guess there was kind of a surprise reveal, but that was more so in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Anyway. 
Okay, anyway, so off nice. tangent. <laughs> oh, sorry, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Back to minimalism. Back to... <laughs> Back to buying your your toys. Your toys. Secondhand wooden. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they're loved <laughs> consistently. Do you follow Sad the Warner Herzog Sad Beige channel? No. There's like a. I guess she does it on TikToks, but I'm an old millennial, mm-hmm. so I watch them on Reels. Okay, that works too. <laughs> but um, that's like this woman, and she does like she like does the Warner Herzog um like accent. And like does like sad beige toys for sad oh. beige children. <laughs> oh, I've seen the sad beige clothing one that oh, she's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that was her. Yes. Anyway, that's not what uh, that is definitely not what Liesel Clark and Rebecca mm-hmm. Rockefeller are promoting are the sad beige clothes <laughs> and the sad beige toys. Not at all. But um, but basically, um, if there's a uh, buy nothing like Facebook pages, and I actually I just found this out, they have a buy nothing app. Oh. That you can, like, download, and basically if you're in search for something or if you want to give something away, you can do that. Like, I live in Saugus, so I belong to the Saugus one. And I've, like, gotten rid of a couple things. I've gotten a couple things. Like, it's actually very convenient. That's really cool. Yeah. I I bet, I think Swamp Scott does have one. I've never, like, looked it up, though. But I bet. They probably do. If it hasn't, and you're into the, if you've read the Buy Nothing, Get Everything plan, or if you are interested, you can definitely look into that. They probably has it, though. I would just look it up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then, um, oh, I recently finished The Kiss Curse by Aaron Sterling. It's actually book two in a series. The first one was The X-Hex. Oh, that I have heard of. I didn't realize there was a sequel. There is a sequel. <laughs> and um, I really liked it. I think I liked them both equally. They mm-hmm. both... I think, like, these books would benefit more from being having a little bit more magic in it. There's a lot of character, norm, normal character stuff in it. And I would like a little bit more magic, personally. So it's like a rom-com where magic is in the background as a part of the world? Yeah. Okay. It kind of, yeah. That's how I would describe it. Like, it's definitely, like, it's central to the identity of, like, the people. Mm-hmm. Like, that they're witches. But, like, I would do with a little bit more magic. But, like, the what, the cat, like, in the first book, there's, like, an accidental, like hex that's cast and it like malfunctions all the magic and one of the things that happens is that the cat can suddenly talk oh. i think i've talked about it i don't know if i talked about this in any other podcast if it was during that time or if it was before but <laughs> i think it might have been i forget anyway but <laughs> the cat like but the so the cat can talk but the cat can only say like a couple of words. So like the first thing that they like hear is the cat goes treats. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so it just goes treats. It's like the na- main thing it says. It's a little bit unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, but it's like, if obviously it cracks me up every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if a cat could talk, that's what the cat would say. And if like my dogs could talk, all they want to say, all they would say is walks outside, snuggle and food. Yeah. And that's it. Basically. And play. And play. Yes. Especially Parker. Yes. I do really, yeah, I do really like the world building. I like, I like sort of like the magic system. It's definitely a soft magic system, Mm -hmm. but I don't mind that for something like this because it's just, you can just play with it a little bit more. I think it's a lot of fun. Like if it was like a full new world building thing, I think I would want more distinct rules. But for just something like this, like a soft magic system where it's like a wave of the hand and something floats is kind of cute. 
I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's like easy reading. Yeah, and then um, as long as they couldn't be replaced with like Vegas magicians and have the story be the same, the world building is solid enough for me. <laughs> it's our- or could they be that? <laughs> kind of good. There's at one point where they think that some kind of magic has happened, but it wasn't. Ah, okay. It was just them using it as an excuse mentally. It was like a placebo magic. Uh, I feel like I could probably guess what it was, <laughs> just knowing the genre. <laughs> For sure. But it was really cute. I liked it. I hope she does another one. And, like, just more magic. Also, I was talking to my sister about it because she's read these, too. And we both agreed that these books would make really good, like, miniseries on Netflix. Like, a three or four episode, like, or maybe just, like, a long movie. Like, a good two-hour movie. And, like, that way, like, you could see more magic. I think it's, like, the magic, it would benefit from being, like, a little bit more visual. And then also, like, the tension that does happen, I think, would do better on screen. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read it, but I know what you're talking There's about. There's not a lot of, like, danger that happens, but, like, there is a little bit, and the danger that does happen always happens right at the end. Okay. And, like, I think it would do better if it was, like, built up a little bit more, mm-hmm. and, like, the stakes were a little higher. Yes. Is, did did both books end in a way where you knew there was going to be another one coming? Or did they end in a way like, oh, that's a complete story. Oh, she has another one, etc. It's like complete stories. Complete like stories? she could okay. never write another one and it would be fine. Like oh, okay. I wouldn't feel like I'm missing anything except for another story mm-hmm. from this world that I kind of want. Okay, so, so there was no, like, cliffhanger ending. No, 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 okay. so... I mean, spoilers, I guess, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, like, I know with the... I don't read a lot of romance, but the low stakes kind of seems to me part of the course. Yeah, I feel like I got really into romance. Janina got me into mm-hmm. it, so... And I don't know, I feel like I was... At one point, I was just having an existential crisis, and she, like, <laughs> was like, here, read this, you sad mop. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. That'll help, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, what have you been reading? I just finished the Forest Hills Bootleg Society by Dave Baker, which is a YA graphic novel, um, which was excellent. I loved it. It's set in 2005, which is not like an era I've read a lot of books set in yeah. yet, but I guess we're reaching that point where it's far away enough that we can. I don't oh know. my god. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> Try not to think about it too hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 2005 in like a small town. And it's, like, a small town that basically functions around this private school. So, like, the town is there because the just giant boarding private school is there, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it follows four friends, Brooke, Kelly, Maggie, and Melissa. And they, Kelly is the friend in the group that's really into anime, like, super into anime in 2005. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, slim pickings in the U.S. Uh, so they meet up with this guy to buy bootleg DVDs of anime to watch. Okay. Uh, she takes them home. She thinks she's going to show them, like, Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro, the classics, and instead it's Super Love XL, which is oh, a no. hentai, I suppose. Um, they're horrified, but they get this idea, like, they want money. It's 2005. Anime's not easy to come by. What better way to make money than to burn a couple DVDs and sell it to the boys at their Christian school? <laughs> oh my God. Which is why they're part of the Bullock Society. <laughs> and this is the story. So they burn a bunch of DVDs and start selling. And it's about as amazing as you can expect. <laughs> the art is really good. It's really funny, but also so deeply sad. Like the whole story is oh. about, I know, the, 
hard pivot <laughs> hard pivot from the concept but like it's about four friends that kind of start to grow apart and they mm. all they're all dealing with their own personal family issues and internalized strife uh this book depicts loneliness really well in a way i have not seen in a graphic novel really yet um so yeah a lot of like teen strife internal strife internalized self-hatred and bullying and things like that it doesn't get like intense in any way mm -hmm. it's not something i think you would have to be worried about necessarily but it's still depicted in a very in a way that hits hard i think mm -hmm. um and yeah i highly recommend it really does also a great job of i guess decentering the main characters is a way of putting it because as a graphic novel there's a lot of like little blurbs over other side characters not even side characters background characters like you'll be in a scene with the main girls and then there'll be a blurb above another character be like melissa jones hasn't seen her mom in three years dave jackson uh got into a fight with his dad this morning like something like that oh, okay. in a weird way so it like takes away that thing where you have your main characters and then a bunch of just background colors mm -hmm. and actually it makes it feel like you're set in a real world it's oh, really interesting okay. highly highly recommend uh, I haven't seen a lot of other people talking about it, but it was really good. And then tangentially related, I didn't realize until I was writing this down, but I also started reading, kind of rereading, If I Had Your Face by Francis Cha, which I flipped through when I first got it, but never really like, read it in depth, so I'm actually reading it now. Uh, and it also follows five friends. This one's set in Korea. It's a debut novel. Um, follows five young women in Korea, kind of just a little bit of slice of life like it goes about their daily lives mm -hmm. uh but it also kind of has to do with like you know what it's like to be a woman in today's age specifically in korea which is interesting because i hadn't done a lot of reading about that before and it goes into beauty standards and classism it's a very complex novel and i loved mm -hmm. all the characters i really loved the way it was written the writing style was fantastic so i also highly recommend this one okay was there anything that surprised you like, and especially in, like, the beauty stand. I was, like, I'm curious about, like, beauty standards in, like, other countries and, like... Yeah. It was, like... Okay, so the characters are Ara, who's a hairdresser, Sujan, her roommate, wants to be a salon girl, which is something I had not heard of until I read this book, which it sounds like... And bear in mind, I don't really know a lot about this, but they're essentially, like, hosts. It's not, like, a strip club or anything like that, but they... Men will go to these clubs to see beautiful women, and they, like, will sit with the men and, like, pour drinks for them, oh. essentially. Um, and the way it's described in the book sounds pretty exploitative. Again, I don't know a lot about this, but... Kiri, the character who is friends with the Aran Sujan, is a salon girl. She's gotten plastic surgery so she could get this job and make money. Mm -hmm. And she saves her money because she's taking care of her mom and her sister, but the other girls will, like, fall into you have to drink every night with the men and they'll just uh -huh. keep pouring drinks for them so it can get kind of like insidious it can be hard to break out of there's like no upward mobility like oh, okay. and you take on a lot of debts to be at this place and the people who run these places will charge them for things so that they will never be free of that debt oh. kind of a thing so it's really not it doesn't sound great from the way it's described curie when she first started described her being in like this salon room salon i think it's called that was terrible like one of the lower ones where she didn't make a lot of money and to leave that one of her clients had to buy her out oh. like pay off her debt okay so he did and then he died because he was old um <laughs> and so she was able to go into a higher salon which pays better but still kind of like the same yeah and so okay so sujan our roommate wants to be a salon girl 
So she has to get plastic surgery to do that because as of right now, she's quote unquote, not pretty enough to do it. So the beauty standards are she has to, she has to get her jaw shaved to make it more oh. like, angular. And they go into like the effects of like Curie talks about how like your chin will be numb basically forever. And you, she has to carry a mirror with her to check because she can't tell if there's food on her face anymore. Like, this is something they talk about when they go out to eat for lunch. Oh, my God. Uh, and, like, her jaw clicks and things like that. Some girls, she said, get migraines that just never go away. This is oh all my that was... God. <laughs> yeah. Kind of intense. Oh, she also had to do the eyelid surgery was another thing they talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sujen got it when she was just out of high school, and the surgeon she went to didn't do a good job, so now she wants to go back and get her redone. So that's how the book starts. And she's asking Curie advice about plastic surgeons in the area. Oh my god yeah it's crazy it's a very like even though i say it's slice of life because it kind of just fall like there isn't a strong plot you just follow these characters as they do things mm -hmm. but the things they're doing are really like yeah you know kind of intense kind of sad at times but it's very interesting to see yeah and what i liked about this book in particular even though it does get into some darker things there's a very strong through line of friendship in it mm -hmm. of, like women supporting women there's no point really where I feel like any of these women are pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of are very supportive, especially Ara and her friend Sujin are amazing. Like Sujin's incredible, 10 out of 10. There's no point, it switches perspective from all these characters except for Sujin. She never gets to narrate from what I can remember or what I've read so far also. Um, but so far, she's great. Like she's one of the strongest, like best characters as a friend. So, you know, this one's an adult book, obviously, and it's, Intense at times, but it's very well done so okay. far. Interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to pivot from here, and we're going to go into our discussion portion. Yes. And we were spitballing ideas for what we should do, and we were thinking, what about jobs we've had in the past that prepared us for being librarians? Yes, indeed. <laughs> some that might be surprising to some people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, the first job I'm going to talk about is actually my first, like, normal job where mm -hmm. I paid into Social Security, mm -hmm. uh, was, I worked at Domino's Pizza in high school. Wow. And it was before online ordering. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. So I worked on the inside and I answered, I didn't deliver, but I answered the phones and I, like, made the pizzas and I put them in the boxes. Okay. And, uh, that was an interesting job I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were times where it was, like, crazy, hectic, busy, and other times where it was, like, very slow. Yeah. But, like, it was mostly just, like, it was, like, my first real customer service job. It was, like, just, like, a pressure cooker sometimes. Yeah. And I think it really helped me, like, deal with, like, work stress a lot. And I think it helped me, like, I don't know, learn how to talk to people, which was something I really didn't have any great skills at before then. Especially in like a like a exchange sort of um, short of <laughs> no an exchange an exchange sort of basis like you are giving me something and I give you an item mm -hmm. of some kind which I think is that's good to have I think I was talking one day to like when I was the teen librarian some girls were like thinking about getting jobs over the summer and they were talking about like work I think it was like what we were talking about my next job uh, I'm gonna talk about Starbucks but uh, they were talking about getting jobs there. And one of the girls was like, yeah, like, my mom was, like, unsure, like, about me getting there because it can be really stressful. And I was just like, listen, like, definitely, like, listen to your mom and, you know, whatever, like, your parents say, like, definitely, like, 
pay attention to that, but, like, now is the time. Because, like, once you form, like, like, once your brain learns how to, like, deal with that kind of stress, like, nothing else will bother you. If you just, like, learn really kind of young, like, how to deal with, like, work crazy stress, like, your other jobs in the future are not going to be as stressful as working, like, like a, like a... Food service job. Yeah, food service job. Food service, customer service, I think is probably the hardest sector to work in because people get testy. Oh, yeah. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's cranky. Like, they're not patient. (laughs) But, like, it just really, I feel like it just really helped me, like, I don't know, learn how to deal when things are busy. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think it especially helps deal with, um, like, time management really well, too. Like, all right, what is most important? What is the most important thing to get done right now? And, like, learning how to, like, prioritize things. Yeah. I mean, now is the time to learn where if it falls through, you have a safety net, presumably. Yeah. (laughs) These girls that you were talking to hopefully did. But it's, like, yeah, learn the stress now so you can learn how to deal with it in the future. Because it's not going to go away. No. No. Stress (laughs) It'll change. Work stress does not go away. Yeah. Uh, And then, oh, yeah. Stop kicking. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like sitting still. I know. Um... Oh, I actually put this down on here. This was in high school as well. I was a lacrosse player. And I specifically wrote down lifting weights. Really? But but honestly, like, okay, how many times do I have to lift up, like, heavy bins and stuff? And really, like, the weight trainer at my high school, shout out to Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, Schmidt. Shout out to Schmidt. (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> as though my own the old fitness instructor <laughs> what if you find out in Pennsylvania is listening to this podcast right now. Maybe they are. But like he really made sure that we knew like how to correctly lift things and not hurt ourselves. Yeah. And honestly, I still like I'll line myself up before I take a box every single time and I feel like it helps. Yeah, well that's the thing in Every job posting for a library position I've ever seen, at the bottom it says you have to be able to lift at least, I think they say 20 pounds, yeah. maybe 30 pounds. I don't remember exactly, but it's in every job posting. It's like a very physically demanding job. Oh, yeah. You're up and down all day. Oh, yeah. You're moving things all day. Forget going to the gym. Just yeah. like work at a library. I, like, fill out all, almost all of my um, exercise bands every day. Yeah. Just from, I'm, like, my husband's trying to get me to, like, bump them out a little bit more, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Just being at work, you're already meeting your requirements. (laughs) Even now, I'm, like, trying to take it easier now. But Mm -hmm. it's, like... Kind of can. It's hard. It's hard. I really got to force myself to sit down sometimes. Yeah. Delegate. The rest of us can do it. Force (laughs) us to. Yeah. And I brought it up... My next job, I brought it up before. In college, I started working at Starbucks. Mm. And, like, it didn't start out this way. But by the time I got to, like, my senior year, I was working... 30 hours a week at Starbucks and going to school full-time. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how I did it. Right. I could never do that now. I'd be nuts. Yeah. I, like, can't even imagine. I'm, like, tired after we close at 1.30 on Friday <laughs> sometimes. Same. <laughs> but um, that was, like, a job very similar to Domino's, only, like, I definitely was better at it because I wasn't, like, a dumb high school kid. And at that point, I, like, I really needed the money at that point. So, like, I took it more seriously. <laughs> I apologize to all my former people that were, like, my bosses at Domino's Pizza when I was in high school. Because I probably was not a very good employee. But I was definitely, I tried to be very good when I worked at Starbucks. And, like, I, like, I worked at Starbucks on and off for, like, six years, I think. Wow. Yeah. It was, like, because I, I, like, worked there in college 
and then I left to go take another job for a little bit. And when that job, because that was like a, a, I'll get into that next job because that's like my main job <laughs> for a while. That's what I base my half my life on, basically. Oh, I and then that's right. And then when I like when that job ended, I like came back and I worked. I tried to get another job, and like at the time, what was that would have been twenty fifteen, and like to get any job, you needed like five years experience already like nobody was hiring like everybody it was just like you need five years experience a written letter from the dalai lama the holy grail (laughs) to beg you have to get on yours and beg you really did in 2015 like the job market was insane Mm -hmm. like it was hard to get a job especially like a full-time job like because i had like a degree i had like been working for a while with different jobs like it, but it was hard. It was hard to get a job in 2015. Mm-hmm. So I, like, went back to Starbucks and to, until, like, start. So, like, the Starbucks, now that, like, they're all unionizing, I, like, 100% understand why they are. Because when I first started working at Starbucks, it was actually, like, really great to work there. They had really great benefits. Like, like yeah, there were things that were annoying. But, like, ultimately, like, people made their careers working there, like, sometimes. And it was, like, not a terrible place to work. But then, like, the corporate structure started to change and their demands started to change. And it got, like, really bad really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that they're unionizing right now is, like, 0% shocking to me. Yeah. Thank God they are. Yeah. But um, I guess the job that I had in between college Starbucks and adulthood Starbucks was... I actually... I went down and I worked for Disney. Well, Disney World for a year. Amazing. It was, honestly, the most fun I have ever had in a job. Not that it's not fun to work with you here every day. But it's not Disney. (laughs) It's not working at Walt Disney World. And so I, like, did the Disney College program. It is, no joke, the most intense customer service training. And it really helps me handle people today. Like, 99.9% of the patrons that come into our library are absolutely lovely people who I love to see every day. Every once in a while, we get someone who needs a little bit more care. Patience. (laughs) Patience. Yeah. Someone who might be upset about something and they need a little extra TLC to resolve that issue. Yeah. And Disney definitely taught me how to do that. Like, I have talked people down... I used to work at Epcot, and I had to talk someone down because, like, this this guy was getting furious because he didn't realize that, like, they just didn't realize that Epcot and the Magic Kingdom were different. So he came up to me at my ride that I was working at and was like, where's the castle? And I was like, sir, you are in Epcot. (laughs) Just a little bit lost. And, like... He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, so this is Epcot, and then the castle is in Magic Kingdom. That's, like, a different park. And so they had spent, like, all that money to, like, go into Epcot thinking that it was Magic Kingdom. Oh, yikes. Yeah. It was, like, a family of, like, four or five of them. And so that's, like, that's not inexpensive. What is in Epcot that's on... Is it just the castle they were looking for? Yeah, I don't know. So, like, in, in Epcot, it's Spaceship Earth, which is the golf ball. Uh-huh. And then they've got, like, a couple cool rides. And then what I think is the main part of Epcot is, like, World Showcase. Is that the different town, like, the different the, parts of the park are different worlds? Yeah, like, the different countries. Ah, yeah. Uh, okay, so. I do know what Epcot is. Yeah. <laughs> we should take you to Disney sometime. <laughs> I'm going to be like, this guy, I'm wandering around, like, where am I? Where's Mickey? <laughs> but, um... So after, like, after, like, gently handling this man's frustration. 
It's a lot to put on you, yeah. just person who's working a ride, to have to yeah, talk like, this person down. From- I'm like 22 years old. Yeah. I just got out of college. Because, like, what are you supposed to do? You bought tickets yeah. to the wrong place. I think I was even, like, I was, like, watching the strollers, too, mm. which is a job. Wonderful. <laughs> and, like, I I forget what I I think I, like, went over to, like, the main podium for my ride. And, like, I just called up customer service just to give them a heads up and, like, sort of, like, directed him to there. But it was, like, mm-hmm. it's really just, you, the goal is that if you're sending someone to customer service to, like, talk them down a little bit before they get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> De-escalate. You don't want to send yeah. them screaming. Into yeah, exactly. And exactly. Like, they really, like, it, it was definitely something I couldn't resolve. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, other issues that, like, I could resolve. Like, I don't know. If somebody was mad, I just sent them through to, like, my fast pass or something like that. Like, just, like, something real R.I.P. fast pass. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, just people just want to be heard. They just want... They just need some... They just need some empathy sometimes. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you could hand them a journal, that might also help. But <laughs> they just want to speak and be acknowledged yeah. that they're upset. Yeah. And, like, you know... Because when you're a librarian, you're not just a librarian. You're somebody's therapist sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're someone's sounding board. Mm-hmm. Like, you're someone's complaint department. But it's all... It's all good. Like, I do, I genuinely love this job. Like, the fact that I get to, like, come in every day, like, talk to people and, like, have, like, really great, like, human interactions with people. Like, I guess versus... (laughs) Robotic ones? Sometimes I have good dog interactions. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Bring more dogs in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, like, as long as your dog won't come in and, like, bark at every single person, like, please bring your dog in. Yes. We have treats at the desk. You can bring your dog into the library we encourage it. As long as you're okay with us cooing over and trying to pet your dog. Yes. <laughs> then it's okay. We always ask first. Of course. I'm not going to attack your dog. <laughs> or lure them away <laughs> with a treat. This is not a ploy. We actually just want to see them. We do. We do really want to see your dogs. And then, yeah. I mean, Disney was definitely, like, my main job. And then I worked at a law firm for a little while. High to low, but <laughs> Best to worst right away. Which was, like... That was that was a job that mm-hmm. I had. You got paid. I got paid. I got paid. Actually, at one point, I was working, like, 70 hours because, Jeez. like, I had a guy who was working in the department with me who quit without notice. Mm, like, good. just stopped showing up to work one day. And we thought, like, something had happened to him. Like, and then finally we realized, oh, no, he's just... But not only that, he hadn't been doing his work, like, that he was supposed to be doing for, like, six months. Oh, my God. So, like, Amazing. I went... Like, I had never had, like, a true, like anxiety attack before but I, after we realized all that i literally went into the bathroom and like cried and like had a legitimate like i mean it never happened to me before but and i hopefully it won't ever happen again but i was like oh my god yeah fair like went in the bathroom and freaked out for like an hour and then came back and my boss was like i thought you had left too and i was like no i just need to have a good cry he's like i might have one later <laughs> oh no but like yeah and i mean the law firm job that was just for like i don't know i guess that was like really hitting home that a lot of my skills that i had acquired from like because all my jobs i just wore many hats Mm -hmm. and i realized that the law firm that i could wear many hats in a uh 
in a like I don't know more professional setting. Sure. Wear many hats, but wearing business casual. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So you ran the gambit of like the most intense customer service jobs you can do. I, essentially, for a person who claims that they don't like people and I don't like to talk to people, I literally love talking to people and working <laughs> with people. Yeah. I mean, like I said, food service and like coffee and I've never worked in a coffee shop and I never want to. Even if it was a good place to work, people just get so intense in the mornings and they get very upset. Yeah. And especially if they expect things to go a certain way or if they're running late. I'm like, I just don't want to deal with people like that. But like then you get your like usual people who come in. There was one guy who I would make like it was a dry cappuccino and this thing had to be bone dry. I don't know what that means. It means that it's just all foam. It's espresso at the bottom and then foam. So he asked for a cup of foamed milk. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And I think even at one point like I was like you're not supposed to do this but I was like pouring the espresso into the milk. And then foaming it all mm. in. How do you drink that? Do you just eat it with a spoon? I don't know. I, he, that's just the way he liked it. Okay, hey, no judgment. No judgment. I'm just curious. And, like, years later, I, like, saw him and his daughter at a store one day and, like, recognized him. And it definitely, it took him, it was a reasonably affluent area that I was in, and it did take him a minute to realize who I was. But, like, I was like, oh, like, venti, char- venti bone dry cappuccino. And he looked at me, and it looked, like, and then it, like, clicked for him. Like, oh, yeah, you're the person who made my latte for, like, three years. Mm-hmm. Every day. Wow. But, yeah. But, like, I don't know, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, like, translates to, like, here too like there's people i recognize i know like the kind of stories they like i know what to recommend them like you know yeah i love getting regulars here mm-hmm. i like consistency <laughs> but yeah yeah those are all my jobs my, cool. my laundry list of jobs <laughs> very cool mm-hmm. uh my laundry list is significantly less stressful than yours because i my like actual official first on the payroll job where mm-hmm. i paid social security uh was at a library so i'm not going to count that um, what were you doing? Were you page or? No, I was a junior clerk is what they called me. Oh. I don't know why they, I, I, I was a clerk. That's what I was. Oh, you I, just weren't paid very well. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I was younger. I was the youngest clerk of the group. So I, they called me junior, which in hindsight, I'm like, I could have just been a clerk, huh? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was a seasonal worker. So when I was off from college, mm-hmm. I would go work at the library and I sat, it was a very small library. So like one floor, you could stand on one end and look to see the other end mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, so I was at the desk in the youth services department doing like circulation stuff. So check in, check out, holds, et cetera, but also reader advisory. And the longer I worked there, the more responsibility they gave me. So as the junior clerk, as a junior clerk, making like minimum wage, <laughs> basically nothing <laughs> there. So I started being able to do like help. I mean, not really like that. I didn't have like, I didn't take over, but I was, I could help with program stuff. I could help organize things. Um, they how I was able to do a few cataloging things weirdly oh. <laughs> again in hindsight, but it was, I'm glad I could do all that because I learned a lot mm-hmm. hands on, and that's before grad school, obviously. So I got a lot of I had a lot of pre knowledge before I started my grad program, yeah, which is great. So yeah, basically every single I think every single payroll job I've had has been in a library. Oh, okay. Okay. What about your non-payroll job? The ones that you actually wrote down. The ones that actually prepared me for being in a library. So my first ever job was being a babysitter. Nice. (laughs) As most people 
my age, I suppose, a lot of us were babysitters. And I started doing it with my sister. Um, first, it was just our next door neighbor. So we would do it with him. And then as we babysat, we, you know, more people asked us to do stuff. I mean, we didn't do it a ton, but every now and then for neighbors and things. And that is a great introduction to working with kids, obviously, because you are also a child. I was like four, 15, 14, 13. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was young. And I'm in charge of children yeah. alone with my sister. We actually took a babysitting course at the public library before we oh. took this. So like a certification thing. So mm -hmm. we learned a lot about how to deal with kids. And yeah, so, you know, there's no better way to learn to work with kids than being left alone with kids. <laughs> you learn, it's, I wrote down in parentheses, chaos. <laughs> Not always. They were very nice and it wasn't like a difficult job. I enjoyed it, but it was still, you have a lot of responsibility. If something goes wrong, like you have to know what to do. Thankfully, nothing did. But kids, if they have siblings, they argue or they miss their parents. You have kids cry when their parents leave. And you have to be flexible mm -hmm. and you have to be prepared for basically anything. Uh, so that definitely helps with this job. I still work with kids, older kids, but you know. And you have to be flexible. You have to know how to, you have to know the different milestones for different ages mm -hmm. so that's something you can learn just hands-on experience working with kids know what to expect at different ages know what is how do i put this like kids at different developmental ages will test you in different ways <laughs> but they will also like learn new things in different ways and it's very interesting to see both things so that was a great first job did not pay well we got no. $5 an hour, and my sister and I split that. Oh. So we got two fifty an hour. Okay. Which is why people asked us to babysit. Oh, yeah. Because we were dirt cheap. I'm and a little bit older than you, and I was charging 20 bucks an hour. Hey, imagine my surprise when I learned that's how much people were charging. <laughs> After we finished doing this, and I was, like, reading different stories online or whatever, hearing things from other people, and like, yeah, we didn't make that much. I charged, like, 15 an hour. I'm like, you charged 15 an hour? <laughs> These are people's children that you're responsible yeah. for. Yeah, and hey. They're willing to dish out a little bit of money. Nobody offered. <laughs> we got, I don't even remember why we set that price. Maybe we asked our parents, like, what would be a fair price? Or maybe the first person we ever babysat for just, like, gave us that much? Yeah. I don't really know. Either way, it prepared me for being paid that much, I guess. <laughs> um, the other thing I was paid to do, I was a dog walker. Significantly more fun job than anything I've ever done. Uh for people in the neighborhood, this was not like consistent, obviously. It's whenever somebody mm -hmm. went on vacation. I would have to go to their house, take the dogs on walks, or let them out. And also sometimes they asked if I would like stay there for, I don't know, an hour just so their their dogs don't get lonely. Mm -hmm. More than happy to do. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. I would have done this for free, to be honest, but they paid me. Uh, so that's kind of similar, just like, I again, wrote in parentheses, messy. <laughs> you have to, uh, this one maybe doesn't seem as applicable to libraries, except for all the people who bring dogs in. But you have to be responsible for another living creature. Yeah. And you have to follow a set of instructions. And you have to know what to do if something deviates. A lot of these jobs kind of just were not necessarily customer service. The base a little bit was. But it was more like teaching you how to think on your feet. Yeah. And not how to handle stress. Because things mm -hmm. will go wrong, especially with kids and dogs, kids and animals. Yeah. Things are going to go wrong, inevitably. Things are going to work out inevitably you just have to like stay on your toes you have to pay attention creative problem solving creative problem solving mm -hmm. that's what this one taught me and with the babysitting one it was also like learning how to talk to 
people that are not on your same level of like reasonable. Oh, <laughs> it's a nice way to yes. I love kids. Just to be clear, I love working with kids, but you can't talk to a five-year-old like they're an adult. Yeah. Sometimes they're going to get mad because you won't let them stick their hand down the garbage disposal. Hey, it happens. (laughs) You have to reason with this small child that like, hey, I can't let you put yourself in danger. I know it makes me seem like a Disney villain, but no, you can't play with the knives. Yeah. So you can't approach it with like the same, I'm going to say this in a logical way. Obviously, playing with fire Mm -hmm. is dangerous. No, you just have to talk to them, meet them where they are. Yeah. That's what it teaches you. So you meet a lot of different people in public libraries. Not everybody sees the world the same way you do or has mm-hmm. an understanding of what they expect out of an interaction that you do. Mm-hmm. So you have to be prepared to meet people where they are. Yeah. And be flexible, which both dog walking and babysitting, I suppose, has taught me. I feel um, like that helps you a lot with, like, dealing people with technology. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, having no expectations for what a person will know or how they Mm -hmm. you have to like learn on the spot with every new person this is why i like regulars but with every new person you have to learn how they will interact with the person what they expect from the interaction what they expect from somebody who is helping them Mm -hmm. and then adjust to each new person yeah you have to be kind of a chameleon i suppose um yeah yeah and we love people coming in come in with all your problems please do that's what we're here for I do like working with people, if that wasn't clear from what I'm saying. You just have to, I, it's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge to yeah. have, which is why I like this profession. Um, and those are the only jobs I was paid for. <laughs> but I did a lot of volunteering stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for instance, I was a volunteer tutor because I was part of NHS in high school, the National Honor oh, cool. Society. So, one thing you, one requirement is you have to have volunteer work, and specifically, you have to be on their like tutor rotation. Mm. So you sign up for a subject in a day. People don't make appointments with you. You just will be there. So I did history and English and you just sit in the library and you wait. And if somebody comes in with a question, mm-hmm. you answer a question. So obviously that helps with learning how to instruct people, kind of what we were talking about before, but also dealing with stressful situations. Cause if somebody came in during finals week with an essay they procrastinated on that they uh. need a lot of help with, you have to calm them down, deescalate, promise that you will help them in some way and this was this one was really especially helpful because something in libraries you have to find that line between helping somebody and not doing things for them yeah definitely like obviously we will accommodate whatever needs but you the goal is to teach people how to do things Mm -hmm. so that they can you know reasonably do it themselves always ask us for help but instruction is kind of the goal so there is an impulse especially as a high school student who loved English and who loved writing essays to just tell them what to do and you mm-hmm. have to rein that back and yeah. not write an essay for them mm-hmm. and just give like advice in a way that makes sense because it can be hard to describe sometimes if you enjoy doing something and you're reasonably good at doing something not to pat myself on the back but I was pretty good at writing essays it can be hard to like <laughs> <laughs> <Light track. laughs> <Light track. laughs> pretty good at it one thing in school I was really good at uh, it can be hard to explain how to do something that you kind of just know how to do after years of doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's similar with the technology here is there are some things that I just know how to do, but don't necessarily know how to explain mm-hmm. why it works the way it does. Yeah. Cause I'm not an IT person. Like I know how to do things to get to a result, but I can't tell you necessarily the inner workings of why it's happening. Yeah. I think a lot of it is like, I know the navigation mm-hmm. of like the way like a website or a program might work just cause I've done a lot with, 
other websites and programs. So like someone who comes in who's like, how did you do that? And it's like, I don't know. I just know how to navigate them. (laughs) I can just do it. And if for somebody who's never, you know, if this is their first time seeing us do something with technology, they might be like, you know, they might not understand. You might have to explain every step of the way, Mm -hmm. which is fine. That's what we're here for. So yeah, but learning how to teach somebody in a way that makes sense to them. So again, adjusting for every person while not doing it for them and encouraging them to ask questions continually. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. So those are both, all of those jobs. I also was a house sitter, but I wrote that down. That's not really difficult to anything (laughs) other than being in charge of a building, I suppose. Um, But all three of those jobs kind of teach you how to work with different types of people. Yeah. Which is very helpful for a job where you're public facing. (laughs) surprisingly definitely and like i think all of our jobs just come down to we love people and helping people Mm -hmm. yeah working with people teaching them things Mm -hmm. it's a very fun thing to do every day yeah i'm glad i'm glad i became a librarian yeah i don't regret this at all this is the job i wanted although had i known that (laughs) that work from home was right around the corner yeah maybe i would have been an accountant (laughs) maybe i could have done that because my friend worked from home Oh, so is my husband. That's the worst. (laughs) Good for them, I guess. No, I I actually think, I definitely probably do better leaving my house. Fine, perhaps. I definitely, uh, yeah. Because even when we were working from home for the library, like, I, like, did a lot. Like, I did, like, some programming and, like, Julie and I started the prog, mostly Julie. And to longtime listeners, like, go back and listen to those awesome Julie episodes. But, like, you know, starting the podcast and, like, doing all that. Like, it was just, I definitely probably get more work done at home. But that's just me. That is me. Also, if I had to make money working from home, I probably would learn how to shift my focus. Perhaps. Perhaps true. (laughs) If we could have a hybrid job, now that would be great. Ooh, that would be nice. If we could be here for programs and helping people, but then do admin stuff at home. Mm. that'd be great that would be nice sometimes i do that not a lot i don't really do that anymore when Mm. we first came back though i did that a lot i mean but now i just do everything here because i don't want to do work at home that's fair too (laughs) my friend hates working from home i don't get it i mean i kind of get it but she goes in once a week i'm like you're living the life (laughs) (laughs) anyway all right so we got some stuff coming up at the library we have hooga day (laughs) (laughs) on wednesday december 21st uh from 1 to 6 p.m it's just going to be like a walk in and out program it's just uh it's basically i am making a hygge vibe of the harris room for a couple hours a hygge safe room (laughs) i like that uh but basically what hygge is is a danish word meaning to give courage and comfort and joy and um it's just like the, the idea of coziness. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have, like, soups and warm stuff and puzzles and lots of fun little activities. I might play one of those 10-hour fireplace videos on, oh, from YouTube. That'd be nice. <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's just going to be a really nice, cozy, fun day. And that'll be on December 21st. It's also uh, the winter solstice. Yeah, perfect so, timing. Nice little, I think it's, like, the shortest day of the mm-hmm. year. And so, shortest day of the year, get nice and cozy. Get you through the darkness. Yes. And what else is going on? Yeah, so for the teens, we have, once again, Anime Club coming up. Our next meeting will be on Tuesday, December 13th at 4 p.m. 
And then the meeting after that will be December 27th, also at 4 p.m. Same deal, we're, the 13th we're going to be doing a craft for the New Year's, uh, watching more anime, talking about anime, and the 27th we will play some anime-themed game where you can win prizes. So if that sounds interesting and as fun as it is, then come stop by. It's always a good time. We also have Take and Makes for December to January. So we have a Needle Felted Fox Take and Make, courtesy of Pop-Up Art School. That is going to be 13 plus. So you can come to the library and pick up the kit, and then we will have a QR code to the video so you can watch how to do it at your leisure over winter break, whenever you have the time for it, to make some really cute felted boxes. And is once... the video you? No, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> I've never done needle felting, so I'm glad I found somebody who knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. So Pop-Up Art School is really cool because they do in-person programs, but they also have pre-recorded videos. So you can do, as I'm doing, take and makes. Um, and that, once you pick up the kit, the video will be up for public access on December 27th. So you can access a video of the people at Pop-Up Art School showing you how to make your box. And that will be up until January 25th, and then the video will go away. So make sure you get that in before the 25th. And if you do not get a kit, but you still want to do the program, you can pick up a QR code with the video and have access to there. And if you want to get the materials yourselves, you're more than welcome to. Awesome. Yeah, seems Love like it. it's going to be a lot of fun. Love foxes. They're super cute. They're adorable. These foxes, I'll, the picture will be up on our social media. They look adorable. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, in the children's room, we are doing a children's room winter reading challenge. And it will be over winter break starting um, December 23rd, and it'll end on March 15th. Uh, and basically, people will be able to enter in for, or children will be able to enter in for small prizes uh, for every snowball that they earn. Uh, and check with Lisa in the children's room for how to gain snowballs. I'm assuming reading a book. Probably. <laughs> if I had to guess. I don't know for sure. But, um, yeah, so check out the children's room website or go stop into the children's room for more details. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be great. It's going to be super cute. Something to do over winter break also. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. Yeah. I'm glad we got to do this again. Me too. I miss podcasts. All right. Everybody stay warm out there. Keep reading your books. Enjoy the library. Come see us. We're really nice. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>